Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And the driving jam time. And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Hey, good morning. Welcome in. Kevin Wheeler in for Tom Ackerman this weekend. Tom, I can confirm, by the way, for the first time maybe in years, Tom slept in today. He's on vacation, and he deserves it for a guy that gets up super early in the morning pretty much every day of the week. I'm happy that Tom got to get a little bit of time off and also got to sleep in a little bit today. And I didn't mean to confirm that. I, I texted him something at like 930 thinking, oh, Tom's definitely up at 930. I mean, come on. Tom's up at the crack of dawn every single day. Uh, and he texted me about 20 minutes later saying he had just gotten up. So good. Good for Tom. He deserves it. Glad to be here, by the way. And I figured this out. I don't know why it took me until this morning to figure this out. Uh, and by the way, we got a hell of a show coming up. Mike Schild will join us in about 10 minutes. Uh, we're going to talk about the Open Championship with Dan Reardon next hour. Uh, John Mozeliak next hour. We'll have Luke Korak from NHL.com to talk about the Blues uh, expansion draft protected list. So we pretty much got everything covered here for two hours. We're going to be really busy and covering all the stuff that matters in St. Louis sports. Uh, but I figured out this morning, maybe it was last night. I don't know. I can't, I can't differentiate between the two. I was doing post game last night. So maybe it was last night. Maybe it was this morning. Maybe it was a fever dream uh, somewhere in the middle of the night, but this is the first time that I've ever done sports on a Sunday morning ever. Like I moved, I came to St. Louis. I came to KMOX the first time in 2006. And in seven years during that run, never did it. Of course, the beginning of that time, Ron Jacober was doing the show. And then Tom Ackerman would fill in for Tom when, or for Ron when Ron wasn't able to do the show. So he had two people covering it. And, you know, me being the nighttime person and coaching on the weekends and all that never just never came up. Obviously, I left for a little while. And since I've been back, this is the first opportunity to do it. So it's kind of cool. If I, if I mess something up, just sorry. <laughs> because done, it's just a sports radio show. It's not going to be that bad. But if I do, sorry. But I appreciate everybody tuning in. 
here on a Sunday morning. We've got a lot to do, man. As I mentioned, next hour we're going to jump around a lot, uh, hit on the Blues in the expansion list, hit on uh, the Open Championship, and, of course, talk more Cardinals with John Mosellock. Obviously, in a few minutes we'll bring in Mike Schild. And coming off an important win last night, that was – and anyway, look, you're you're in a spot going up, coming up to the trade deadline, and we'll talk a bit about this with Mo next hour, and whether or not the two weeks t- really do change how a front office would look at a team. I mean, we we talk about it like that, right? I mean, you know, I know I do, and fans do, and other you know people in the media, whether it's written or or uh, spoken word or whatever. You know, we tend to like, well, if you have two good weeks, you could convince. I don't know, maybe you can, maybe you can't. We'll talk a bit about that later on. But a big win nonetheless because you're facing the best team in Major League Baseball. And, you know, coming out of the gate, something Mike Schultz said earlier this week that we'll surely touch on here this morning is about how important it is to come out strong after the break, right? You've had a little bit of a refresh. You know, a couple guys, you know, went to, to Coors Field and, and uh, were a part of the festivities. But, you know, most everybody got some time down to physically recover, mentally recover. I wonder how much different it feels this year at the all-star break compared to normal just because we only played two months last year. And you're like, I, I don't know, I'm torn because there's part of me that's like, yeah, that could be, you know, interesting, you know, kind of you're 90 games in and normally, you know, that's no big deal, but you only played 60 games last year uh, in the regular season, that is. But, you know, these guys have also done this their entire lives. Like, you know, every one of these players has been doing this you know, since they were somewhere between 18 and 21 years old, you know, whether they signed out of high school or signed out of college. But since that time, since they signed professionally, this has been their world, right? It's baseball from February or March all the way until September or October, depending on how far you go once you're in the major leagues. So I don't know, maybe it's just like riding a bike, man. You've been doing this forever and you kind of get back into that routine. I'm curious, though, how that dynamic plays out, because, you know, th- this is a different year. And one thing that we've all talked about going back to the winter was how are teams going to handle workloads? How how are you going to handle you know the workloads you're going to ask your pitchers to carry? Are you going to be more careful than usual? Because again, nobody threw everybody played a third of a season last year, um, and you're probably going to have it be on a on a graded scale, right? I mean, the younger you are, the the more cautious I'm sure teams are going to be. And with some of the veteran guys out there, Adam Wainwright, you know, Garrett Cole, the guys that have been doing this for a long time that are at the top of the game probably worry less about them because they've figured out how to handle anything and they've all thrown 200, 220, 230 innings before. So if they get up near 200 this year, it shouldn't be any cause for concern, but it would be interesting to to see how it goes with, you know, especially minor league players that didn't play at all last year. I mean, that's one of the issues that major league teams are facing right now is, you know, a lot of prospects. This is something that, that John Mosellock talked about not that long ago you know, a lot of guys hadn't played last year, so you're you're still kind of assessing how, where they are in their development. Some guys have jumped two levels in their development because they didn't play last year, so you kind of have to challenge people because you got new people coming in behind them from last year's draft and now this year's draft. And it's been interesting to see. And, you know, of course, with, with the deadline coming up and teams starting to put the pedal to the floor and try to figure out what they need to do to stay in contention it's an interesting time of year, and obviously we've got a lot of these things to talk about with Cardinals manager Mike Schilt, which we'll do coming up next here on X. Time to get the inside scoop on the Cardinals 2021 season with Redbirds manager Mike Schilt. Welcome to the Mike Schilt Show, sponsored by Bath Fitter. It just fits your life, your style, your schedule. On your voice of the Cardinals, KMOX. 
Hey, great to be with you on a Sunday morning. Cardinals coming off a win last night, 3-1 to one over the Giants. Uh, always love to see it. Great pitching performance from Quan Young Kim. Uh, of course, a couple of big at-bats in there, too. Tyler O'Neill with a home run. Paul Goldschmidt continues to be one of the hottest players on the planet. And if we, uh, you take a look at the numbers for him for the month of July, he has been absolutely on a tear. Uh, the OPS well over 1,000, um, hitting for power, doing his thing. I mean, he's basically being Goldie, and he's been on this upward trend now. Uh, every month since the slow start in the month of April. So uh, last night, a lot of things went really well. It was great to see, you know, a, a number of things that you'd like to be, you know, the things you're looking for, the power production. Uh, Kwon Young Kim, such a great story uh, in last night's game. His performance, obviously, uh, is big all by itself, but very cool to have his family in for the first time uh, since he became a member of the Cardinals. We all know how that went down last year with, uh, the pandemic hitting and all of the things that all of the issues that that created for travel. And you know, he, he went a really long time, not even seeing his family. So very cool that uh, we got to see him do that last night. And I'll tell you, it, it was, it was pretty fantastic. In fact, let's, let's bring that. Let's talk a bit about that. Happy to have the skipper of the Cardinals, Mike Schilt with us here. Of course, it's named the Mike Schilt show. Mike, I guess uh, makes sense to bring you in. Good morning, man. How you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Kevin. How about yourself, sir? You know, not bad, not bad. Uh, and uh, I, I was joking earlier, Mike. Like I, I came to KMOX originally 2006, so we're going back a good ways. This is actually the first time I've ever done sports on a Sunday morning because of scheduling things and other guys being available and doing all that. So it's kind of weird, but I, I'm, I'm happy I get a chance to talk a little ball. And anytime I do that, it's a pretty good day. I'm not going to lie. Well, I'm glad. Uh, me too. I'm glad I can be part of your maiden voyage on Sunday. <laughs> I'll try not to sink this thing, man. I'll try to keep things rolling. No, the way that we did. <laughs> me and you both, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just talking a minute ago while we were getting you on the line about uh, KK last night, and obviously another mm-hmm. great performance. I mean, he's been stringing them together here yeah. lately, but um, you touched on it in the post game too the, the importance of the personal side here, where he got to have his family in the building for the first time since he was a member of the Cardinals. That's great, man. I, I, we all know how tough that had to be last year, but very cool for him to not only perform well, but to have the personal side too. Super cool. Long overdue. Um, I couldn't imagine the adjustment this guy had to make just in general. Um, come a new country, different level league, um, and don't have your family support staff and COVID hits and you're, you know, you're quarantined. And um, then you go home and you got to quarantine before you can see him for a while. And, I mean, last year, you know, I wasn't able to see my family for, you know, almost two months, and, and that felt like five years, and I couldn't imagine how he was able to do that with um, in a foreign country, in a, in a foreign league. But um, he's handled it with amazing attitude, far better than, than um, most people would have, for sure. And it's good to see him be able to enjoy his family and have a special night. Yeah, I mean, it's you're right. You talk about this. I mean, everybody has those kind of challenges, right? I mean, during a baseball season – Nobody in the sport sees their family as much as they'd like to. I mean, it just doesn't happen that way during the season. But that's an extreme case. And you mentioned, you know, adjusting to the best league on the planet, uh, adjusting to food, adjusting to the language barrier and and figuring out how to communicate and handle things yourself. I mean, and then you throw in the fact that you couldn't even tell any of that by looking at his performance. That's right. He pitched really well last year. Real pro, man. You know, I give credit to all our staff for making him feel welcome, but Wayno in particular really um, did a nice job of being a, just a, a good teammate and good human to make sure he was welcome when he was in St. Louis during that quarantine and made sure he was comfortable and, and had a throwing partner. And he was, uh, you know, made, made what was very difficult as, as uh, easy as possible. 
You know, uh, it, it, mentioning it, you you talked about this, I think, after his his last start, his start against the Cubs before the All Star break, about how how he does this. I mean, he he and Wayno, you mentioned Wayno, they do some things similarly in that they're not just blowing people away. They're not out there throwing. 97, 98 miles an hour and getting away with mistakes. But you did, you mentioned something that was interesting to me, Mike, and that is how a lot of his pitches just look the same coming out of the hand, which is ideally the point, right? But some of them are going to go arm side, some are going to go glove side, some of them are going to go down. I mean, you look at the way that he mixes his pitches and primarily fastball slider, but I mean, it, 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 it's something unique, I think. And, you know, his timing keeps hitters off their own rhythm and timing. I just love to watch a guy do things differently. Yeah, you know, it's it's not the more modern way of pitching, but still an effective way of pitching. Him and Wayno have different ways they do it, but both similar in the fact they change speeds. They're looking to understand how to set hitters up. They're going in, they're going out. In KK's case, you mentioned rightfully so, um, balls coming out looking the same. You know, the official word for that is tunneling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, ball comes out looking the same, but then it goes east, it goes west, it goes it goes south, occasionally rides it up north, but, um, you know, it's got some later movement. Um, slider um, was really good last night. Got him nine outs. He's on the ground a ton. Changeup's been super effective. Um, and Zebra though is, is forward two seamer effectively going away to hitters, right-handers. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm sure you're kind of the same, Mike, but I grew up and, you know, when guys threw 100 miles an hour, it was breaking news, right? We'd be excited, like, J.R. Richard mm. threw 100 miles an hour. Nolan Ryan threw 100 miles an hour. Now it's happening every single night, but – the guys that are like like Wayno now, like Kwon Young Kim, I mean, you guys see Kyle Hendricks a lot with the Cubs. You can still pitch the, quote, old way just as long as you can throw the ball where you want it to go more often than not. Uh, one thing I've done, and, uh, you know, I'm not in those circles anymore, but, you know, I was coming through when the velocity movement was taking place and understand it and saw the training taking place and throw hard and spin rate and, you know, a lot of the – I don't want to get off to- topic here, Kevin, but the, <laughs> I just saw studying our game, but – um, you know, saw it coming. My point. We were ultimately developing, by and large, you know, relievers with just a couple pitches with you know a lot of max effort guys, and that's the way that the amateur game is going. And and then the, the you know developmental side of it also went that way a little bit in, in player development. But I would talk to guys, and I'd say I'd see a, you know a young pitcher at a high school, or um, and I'd mention it to a to a college coach, and um, I'd say you know this guy's. You know, he's got pitchability, you know, pitchability, you know. And I finally I just turned to him like, hey, um, what part of getting outs do you do you have an issue with? <laughs> like what what you know, yeah, this guy's gonna develop, he's gonna he's not as big, he's not as strong. And um there's actually one pitcher and I won't mention his name, but this was, you know, fifteen years ago, so I'm dating myself a little bit. And I couldn't this is when I was scouting. And I saw him and he wasn't quite ready to come out of high school. Um, so he needs to go to college developmentally, but you know, Good feel for a slider, throwing 88, going to fill out through strikes, repeatable delivery. And I talked to mid-major colleges in the area, some majors, and, and you know, I thought I had a fairly decent reputation of being able to evaluate talent, and um, that was my job, and part of it at least. And, man, I couldn't talk anybody into this gig. Finally, hmm. somebody took a flyer on him. Anyway, the guy's pitched 10 years in the big leagues. <laughs> yeah, it turned out pretty well. It's interesting to me because I see that, too. I'm involved in in the amateur ranks of baseball, Mike, and I see – emphasis here and there and a lot of it does come from what's expected of these players right I mean you talk about those college coaches a lot of times if you're going to be a kid drafted in the first or second round 
it's going to be because you can see that mid to upper 90s below, although not in every case. In fact, there were a few guys in the first round this year that didn't really fit that mold. Um, I know uh, your guy's first-round pick, Michael McGreevy, is kind of in between that, right? I mean, he, he does reach the mid-90s, but he's also a command guy. And I think that, that, you know, we talk about, you know, the old money ball ways of doing things and finding the inefficiency in the sport. Maybe that's one of the new inefficiencies is starting pitchers that go deep into games that, that are able to get outs quickly with one pitch at a time rather than three, four, five pitch counts all the time with strikeouts and walks being so big. I, I think it's like anything else, Kevin. You know, life's about balance, and there's not an absolute to any way, shape, or form. And, um, you know, if we're open-minded, and look, I like guys that, you know, blow 100 and have a, have a dirty <laughs> up pitch. I mean, I'm, you know, we're missing Jordan Hicks. I ain't going to lie to you. Um, nice to have that in the in the bullpen for sure. Makes games shorter. Makes me smarter. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a proponent for for all of it. Just don't ignore the guy that's out there that um, knows how to play chess with his pitches. No, that's a really good way of putting it. And you know, I, I think that you know it, the, the game has always been comprised of of these different skill sets, and it's always just a matter of the guys in your chair trying to figure out how to put those pieces on the chessboard on a given day to make sure that it turns into a W rather than a loss. But it, it makes it a fun conversation, too, because I enjoy you know, seeing, seeing different guys do it things. In, and I don't want to say old school because I'm not an old school kind of guy. I'm, I'm more of a whatever baseball is is what I am. <laughs> kind of a nerd in that way. Like, I'm cool with however it goes. Just show me a game, and I want to see how it plays out. And I know that going back to last night, Mike, I mean, we follow KK uh, with a couple of really big performances, and you talk about those guys that that bring the heat a little bit. I thought a big performance, even though it was short, uh, big outing for Henesis Cabrera bailing out an inning, and then, of course, Gallegos doing his thing. And, and Alex had a little trouble, but he, he doesn't give up many hits, man. As much as there is sometimes traffic, you just don't feel danger when he's out there because you know he's going to miss a bat here and there. Yeah, you know what? He's a, he um, he's a, he got a wonderful talent and ability. When things don't go as well as you'd like, you're going to go one of two ways. You're going to go be able to bear down, and uh, bear down doesn't mean tension. Um, bear down just means improved focus, mm-hmm. or your focus is going to get bigger. You're going to lose it, and then you have a tendency to, to not be as effective as what you have. And um, I thought both points were excellent, Kevin. Um, Hennessy was great. Came in. Uh, big punch out of the pinch hitter Dickerson got Slater on the ground ball to Tommy, and then Alex, you know, he covered up a ground ball single and and a walk, and you know, uh, Yachty made some amazing blocks on Estrada's at bat, and another good one on on Talkman to keep that um, potential time run at first, keep the forces in order. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Now, uh, you know, talking about Alex, he he had a. He had an achievement last night, so it was his 23rd consecutive converted save opportunity, so that's a major league record, ties him with LaTroy Hawkins. And I remember going back to, I mentioned 06 was you know my first year in town, and you know Adam Wainwright was working in the Cardinals bullpen that year and had never done that before, was a starter in the minor leagues and wound up closing out the World Series. And he talked a bit about how important it was for him that they, he had the veteran guys in that pen to help him figure out how to do that job. And I know Alex has done it a little bit, but you know, when you consider the the history as a starter and all of the rehabs, it's pretty impressive that, you know, he's in this position and doing this full-time job really for the first time. Sounds like we lost the cell phone. That's all right. You know what we can do? We got it. We got technology here. Uh, it's time for a break anyway. So we'll take a little time out. We'll come back and we'll finish that thought and talk a little bit about the offense with Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. Sports on a Sunday morning here on KMOX. 
Welcome back to the Mike Schilt Show, sponsored by Bath Fitter. It just fits your life, your style, your schedule. On your voice of the Cardinals, KMOX. All right, we got Cardinals baseball coming up in a little while here on KMOX. Twelve twenty for the pregame show, one fifteen for the first pitch, one oh five. I will send you to the broadcast booth and hear from Mike Shannon, Rick Horton, and Mike Claiborne coming up a little bit later on. Joe Pott will be taking care of you on the Cardinals broadcast coming up in just a little bit. Of course, right here in the middle of the Mike Schilt Show, we've got the skipper, Mike Schilt, with us. And I know, Mike, before the, uh, whatever it was, the connection got a little jumbled right before the break. I had asked you about Alex Reyes and and doing this job as the closer, like a full-time closer for the first time after spending a lot of his career as a starting pitcher. That's a, something that Adam Wainwright talked a bit about back in the day when he did it in 2006 and how, you know, there's an adjustment that needs to be made, but he doesn't seem to have too much trouble with that. No, he's, um, he's an even keel guy and um, he's a great competitor and close sets the stuff to, to, to match it. So, um, you know, pitched out of the bullpen last year. I think that clearly helped him. Um, was at the end of games for us last year. Um, was a guy we're using um, in that role um, in the playoffs. And just, you know, he accepts and wants the big moment and, the, like I said, the stuff to complement it. I do think it's important. And, and uh, one of these things that can get overlooked, and, you know, if you have it, um, it's really a blessing. And what I mean is you have, like, an Andrew Miller um, who's down in that bullpen who's been through the war, seen it, um, battle-tested guy. Um, but also a good guy just because you're battle tested doesn't mean you're willing to share your experiences or care about others experiences or looking to grow people. But Andrew, similar to um, the other guys we have, the Wayno's for the starters, Wayno's um, been able to help Alex do based on his experiences reliever, but Andrew Miller's done a really good job of not only helping Alex, but Gio and Cabby and the guys down there of just what it looks like to be a reliever, how to prepare, how to stay ready. And um, you know, he's, he's, but Alex deserves all the credit ultimately. Mike, I know uh, you spend, I would say, I don't, know, I don't know exactly how much time it is, but I would imagine it's at least 60, 65% of the time answering questions about the team, talking about the offense and finding ways to generate runs on a more consistent basis. And it is something that your, your lineup did earlier in the year, and then for a little while it's gotten to the point where it's either here or there. And what's interesting to me, Mike, is that some guys are going really well, right? I mean, Tyler O'Neill's been going well for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Paul Goldschmidt's been ramping up every month as we've gone so far. Nolan Arenado's been really good. Is it is it simply getting a lot more guys going at the exact same time as opposed to just looking at season-long numbers? Because I know as much as you talk about it and as much as people seek solutions – uh, sometimes it's just not there. Yeah, I mean, listen, I appreciate it. Is it is it? A, it's a rightful topic of conversation with a very passionate uh, media and fan base, and understand it completely. Um, and you know, clearly, it's been worked on, talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, we we were successful early in the season. Um, you know, the reality is, a couple things, Kevin. You know, we we haven't had. And I'm, you know, I think you know me, but I'd like people to know I'm pretty honest and, and transparent, and not a, not an excuse-laden guy. But the reality is, we've had very few opportunities to run out our everyday lineup mm-hmm. or our everyday club, for that matter, um, almost zero um, with everything. But that's part of the gig, and we accept it, and we figure it out, just like we did last year. And um, that's what we're working on like crazy. And the offense was consistent. Um, relative to modern day offenses, I think it's a, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I talk and I've said this before on the show, probably even, but um, I do a national show pretty much weekly on MLB radio. And just out of curiosity, I asked the host, 
um, you know, who talks to, you know, a fair amount of the managers in, in, in the league, if not all. And I said, how many times are you asking about inconsistent offenses? And, you know, without a, they said a small handful, there's an exception. Right. Um, so there's just, you know, it's, we talked about earlier, the, the stuff that's out there. I don't want to get into the sticky stuff because hopefully that's getting cleaned up, but that was clearly a contributor. Um, shifts are, are real. Um, they take away a ton of hits. Um, we do it on our side as well. Um, so my point is, it's, it's just a, and in and of itself, it's a hard thing to do. That being said, it's got to be better relative to the league. I mean, because that's that's the part that's important, you know, relative to the league and ultimately run scored, and we're just not scoring enough runs consistently. And um, you know, it's a hard to hang your hat on. You know, it's a it's a pillar of the team that um, has to be able to figure out a way to do more. And um, you know, our ballpark, it's not a very friendly ballpark to score in. It's it's a pitcher's ballpark, probably the second most pitcher-friendly park in, in all of baseball. Still, got to figure out a way to score at least one more run than them on a daily basis. And I will say this, and I'm, um, we didn't we, – we went through first two months. Pitching was in concert pretty much with our – we played our baseball. You right. know, we were fairly healthy on the – we were healthy on the pitching side, except for Jordan. Um, for the most part, starters were, were being able to go deep into games. Jack was on his way to an all-star game and maybe a Cy Young consideration. Um, and things were going well. We were getting miles back, and, of course, that didn't last. But, um, you know, the point I'm getting at is things went pretty well, and then um, we hit a wall. And, um, you know, we just lost our way a little bit with how holistically we need to approach our, our offense. And uh, we got a little dimensional. And we, you know, it's one of those things that um, you look up and you go, okay, it'll correct itself. It didn't, you know, and so we had a, some some challenging conversations and got more intentional about what we were doing. And that was, you know, right around, um, actually it was, you know, 24th of June. I've I tracked it since then and our bats have been a ton better. You know, our, our situational hitting's improved dramatically. Um, you know, we're now with two strikes in the, in, you know, seventh in OPS, slugging percentage, second in average with two strikes. Now you don't want to make your money hitting with two strikes. It's not a good recipe. Um, but prior to the 23rd of June, you know, we were 28th in average, 26th in slug, 28th in OPS. So we've, we've gone up 20 spots. Um, in average, we've gone up 26 spots. That's pretty impressive. Um, and then on the runners and scoring position, you know, average was 24th, 19th slug. 19th in OPS, however you want to dice out whatever the metric that makes you feel good about your offense, those are three good ones. Wasn't good enough. Since then, we're 7th in OPS, 7th in slug, and 5th in average. Um, so, you know, we, we can – in the lowest in, in Major League Baseball in strikeout rate, and ninth lowest in chase rate, um, and we haven't missed in the zone. So a lot of positive things have happened. Um, has it been enough consistently? Um, not necessarily. Um but it's it's. I feel like we're now in a position where we're getting not the most out of what we have. Um, you mentioned the consistency. You know, it's it's always good when you have. You know, it's it's, it's rare when you have. You know, eight guys in a lineup going good at the same time. Right. But you know, you mentioned Goldie's going well. O'Neill's going well. Um, Paul DeYoung's picked it up over the last several games. We need you know three, four, five guys to be in a good spot and do what they're capable. Nothing more. Nothing less. Um, but, you know, do what they're capable, and and then that feeds itself, and that allows the more run production. 
You know, speaking of uh, that that theme, that idea of continuously progressing and trying to get better, I know last year doesn't really go this way because it was a two-month season, but 2018 and 2019, you guys did finish strong. You know, you had really good pushes, especially in the month of August and into September to either get into contention or get into the playoffs as it was in 2019. Do you think that that's something that's connected, Mike? Like, you know, this is about part of the process of staying focused on what you guys talk about, the process of doing things the correct way and then waiting for the results to come. Do you think there's a connection between those things or is it just too hard to tell after a few years? No, I think it's a connection. I mean, listen, I mean, your personnel changes, um, you know, the biggest thing. And, and I think we're in a much better spot. We've um, remedied and, and we're working to do the best we can with our rotation. You know, in, in 19, um, we really didn't have any starters to really miss a turn. Mm-hmm. Um, we kept our starters intact, Dakota, Jack, Miles, Wayno. Um, you know, we, we kept those guys intact in pretty much the whole whole season. So, didn't disrupt um, what we were doing. Our bullpen stayed healthy um, outside of Jordan in 19. So, um, you know, we, we, we were able to, to, to continue to work and grow and, and – um, but that being said, we've, we've KK's coming on, Wayno's Wayno, um, LeBlanc's doing the ball well, Oviedo's you know a younger guy that has a chance to get start to get more consistent, and we'll go from there. But I do believe that's that's part of our mentality every day is to stay focused. I was asked yesterday about sense of urgency, and we have a sense of urgency every day. I can't tell you that um, oh we got to turn it on now and we got to go. No man, this this group shows up and prepares as good as you can prepare as a staff. You know, we got some younger guys figuring out what that looks like. There's always a learning curve, and no one wants to hear it goes down before it goes up. But the reality is it does, and when you have more guys on that curve, then you get a little more inconsistency. But we, we work through it, and we stay with it, and we continue to look to improve and be um, very intentional about about um, what we do, how we do it, and then that's ultimately all we can control, Kevin. No, no doubt. Uh, Mike, uh, one more thing before we get to our memorable play of the week. You mentioned Oviedo. uh, And I just wanted to ask you about the challenge of developing, uh, for him, a guy developing at the big league level. Because normally, that's not necessary. But it has been. I mean, last year, for all kinds of reasons, you know, COVID reasons, roster limitations, injuries, you know, the, the guys that had to miss time because they were on the COVID list. And this year, of course, injuries kind of pushing up that timetable. He clearly has all the talent in the world. I mean, he clearly has elite stuff and he's you know he, he looks the part he's got the velo he's got the breaking ball what, what is that challenge like developing at the big league level because that happens with some teams at some times but it's typically not here because normally you got so many guys lined up on the runway ready to go but everything got kind of jacked up starting in 2020 yeah it's it's a great way of explaining it and um you know we've had you know a fair amount of guys on the roster that are figuring out what that looks like and there's a learning curve like i associated um with it but to Oviedo's case, um, what's it like? It's 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 not you know, it's the guy that 120 innings in Double A, um, and then no Triple A innings before he got to the big leagues. Of course, we didn't have minor league baseball last year, right. and now he's getting a few. He's he's got you know right around 20 in his career. Um, you know, you do your research, and it's usually a there's minor leagues for a reason. And um, but his skill set is big league. Uh, he's got a big league skill set. There's no question about it. Um, now he's developing a big league mentality and, and, and learning from experiences. And, you know, you think about it, you know, double A is the first time you, you really in your career 
start to compete against people with a, with a, a high separation of age and experience. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to go through that lineage, but it's, it's true. I've studied it. I've lived it. I've, I've, I've coached it. Um, and then you go right to the big leagues where there's an even bridger, bigger <laughs> gap, and you're throwing to a guy that's been in the league 18 years um, in the Yachty, and you're playing against guys that are super experienced and the best of their craft in the world. There's some savviness to what takes place. They, you know, um, I said this, you know, at the at the minor league level. You know, when you start to get to Double A, it's time for you to start to see. You start to. It's time for you to own your game well enough to where now you can see across the field and realize what the other team's doing. And until you do that, um, you're going to get exposed. It's just real. And um, you know, the guys now, you get the big leagues. Guys have been in this league with the experience they've had. They they know how to see the game. They know what it looks like. Um, and it's just a, it's, it's intrinsic things that you can't quantify on a spreadsheet. And to Ovi's credit, he's listening. He's adapting. He's taking it all in like a, a fire hose. And he's really held his own. He's pitched pretty well in some games. He's also been smart enough to listen to some really um, wise people in Wayno and Mike Maddox, our pitching coach, and Yachty. And, and I chime in when I can. So, um, and share share my thoughts with him and work with him and get him to talk through it. So it's a process. And, um, you know, this isn't, as you mentioned, you know, this is a, a market and a, and a franchise that expects, you know, high-level um, baseball all the time and, and high-level frontline um, finishes. And we're going to do our very, very best and have the expectation to provide that. But, um, you know, there's, there's also, um, regardless of, of organization, there's, there's a time where, you know, you know, you're going to have, have that window where there's guys that have to learn and you want to find out about guys. And, and right now that's, that's a little bit of the window we're in. And clearly we've got some experienced guys some veteran guys. We've got some good pieces. We've also got some guys that, you know, we'd like to see play and find out about. And, and, um, that, that, uh, you know, that requires some patience. For sure. All right. So I, I didn't want to forget this. So I made sure I wrote it down, but we got to get to our Dolan Memory Care memorable play of the week. It's been a little bit of an interesting week, Mike, since the last time you were on because you guys got rained out on Sunday and then we had the whole all-star break and then you've had a couple of games since then. What stands out to you from the last week? Man, that's a good question. Uh, we had a good <laughs> game over. You know, we played, um, you know, good series over in San Francisco. Yeah. I think we covered that last week. Uh, when Chicago split, played really well. Um, I tell you what was impressive. They um, got a, you know, you can montage Goldie. He's at three homers in three days. I know it's one memory, but you know he hit the ball out of Wrigley, which was super impressive, um, and uh, it's taking some good swings. So, you know, pick your homer because they've all been big from Goldie. How about the one from last night? Can we pick that one? <laughs> I love it, yes, sir. It, it added on and you know gave us some breathing room. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's it's been fun. Uh, kind of seeing his trend line up because, you know, as, as great as he's been over the years, um, you know, everybody has these weird starts sometimes. You have a month here and there that that don't look right. But when it's the first month, it feels like everybody's watching the catch-up, right? I mean, you see the season totals and they don't look yep. like where they are. I know uh, a couple of good friends of mine, Mike, were relievers in the big leagues, and they're like, man, you have that two blow-ups and all of a sudden you got to spend two months getting your ERA right as opposed to having it at four and a half or five. It takes you forever to get it back down into the threes where you want it to go. But on Goldie's case, and we'll play the highlight here in a second, he's going in that direction now really for three months. Yeah, he really has. And uh, you're right. You know, you always want to get a good start, which we did as a team. But, um, 
you know, as far as Goldie goes. Not the start he would have liked, but, you know, it speaks to the mindset of the question we talked about earlier. You know, what are you going to do about it? Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Um, you figure out a way. You know you've done it. You know you've been there. You um, you lock in on what you need to do. You take advantage of every opportunity given that day. Um, you go back to what you know works. You have an awareness of what you're doing. You correct something that might have gotten a little out of whack, and you move forward. And people maybe forget they're human, um, but that's the same mentality that Goldie took, and that's the same mentality this team takes. Mike, have fun today. Good luck to you guys. Hopefully it goes the way you want to. And, uh, of course, we'll be hearing from you on a daily basis on both the pre- and the post-game shows. Uh, go say hello to everybody on the pre-game meeting. Now that you guys get to do it in person, say hello to everybody and uh, have a good man. Good luck to you guys today. Thanks, Kevin. Enjoy it. You have a blessed day, my man. All right. Thank you, sir. You do the same. Mike Schilt, manager of the Cardinals. And here's that play, uh, the memorable play of the week. Here is the uh, 2-1 delivery. Long look at you. And a fly ball deep in the right field. This is going to leave the ball park. Home run. The Cardinals have scored twice now on home run. A single home run by the Cardinal left fielder. And now the first baseman hits a round tripper. It's a two-run shot, and the Cardinals lead 3-0. Way to go, Mr. Goldsmith. There you go. The memorable play of the week is sponsored by Dolan Memory Care Homes. If you have a loved one with dementia that needs a safe place to live, contact Dolan Memory Care Homes, where they have no more than 11 residents per, per household. Visit DolanCare.com. Stick around. we got more of sports on a Sunday morning coming up here on KMOX. The high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan. Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, just a couple minutes left in this hour. Kevin Wheeler in for Tom Ackerman here on Sports on a Sunday morning. Great to get a chance to talk to the skipper for a little bit. Uh, coming up the next hour, we'll update you on the Open Championship, which is in progress right now. Our KMOX golf analyst Dan Reardon is going to join us. Uh, we'll do that at 11.15. John Mosellock at 11.30. Uh, we'll talk to Luke Korak at 11.45. So we're going to be busy. <laughs> no, no, no uh no jabbering for Wheeler. He's got. To, I got to keep things on schedule for the next hour. But obviously, uh, the NHL expansion draft is coming up. Expected, or sorry, uh, protected list. Expected list. Protected lists were submitted um, last night. They were released to the general public today, and we'll talk a bit about that with Luke Korak. But the Blues that are protected, you've got Ivan Barbashev, uh, you've got Jordan Cairo, Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, Braden Shen, Oscar Sundquist, Robert Thomas. Justin Falk, Tori Krug, Colton Pareko, and Jordan Bennington. Nothing surprising there. If you follow, uh, you know, Luke Korak, if you follow Jim Thomas, if you follow Jeremy Rutherford, not a big surprise in there. I mean, we all know that the the, the Vladimir Tarasenko situation has changed uh, with his trade demand, so he's been exposed to the expansion draft. Uh, Jaden Schwartz, of course, heading up at a, as a unrestricted free agent, is available there, uh, but they don't have him under contract, so. Uh, really doesn't change a whole lot there. And even if, say, Seattle were to take him, it doesn't guarantee that they'll sign him. Um, of course, I don't think they'd take him if they didn't know they could get it, get a deal done. They probably would have had a conversation about that. But the other name that's interesting in all of this is Vince Dunn, who um, is still controllable. I think has one more RFA year before getting into unrestricted free agents, if I remember correctly. Um, so some interesting names on the list for the Blues that they could end up losing. Uh, but no big surprise with the protected list. I mean, it really is what you would have expected. So 
We've got that to get into in about an hour, a little bit less than an hour with Lou Korak. And I also just want to spend a second. I want to point this out. You know, there was a really uh, scary incident last night in Washington, D.C. The Nationals and Padres game was interrupted and postponed in the sixth inning because of gunshots outside the stadium, like really right outside the stadium. Three people were shot. Uh, it was a chaotic situation. And one of the things that I noticed uh, in all of this, and this is just I wanted to bring this up because it's one of those things when bad things happen, you start to see some of the good in, in people. Uh, but Fernando Tatis, we saw running into the crowd and he grabbed a, a, you know some kids. He led some people down into the car, into the Padres dugout, eventually into the clubhouse. And I assumed, and a lot of people did, that that was his family. It wasn't. He just saw kids that were in a potentially dangerous situation. He went up and grabbed those families and brought them down. It may have been teammates' families. I'm not sure. I'm not clear on that. But they were not his kids. He just ran up there, though, to protect some people that could have been in danger. It turned out that um, it was kind of an isolated incident. It wasn't a mass shooting. It was three people that were shot, though. And that's obviously being investigated, but a pretty scary moment in D.C. last night. All right, stick around. we got a busy hour coming up here on Sports on a Sunday on KMOX. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 